and welcome to another edition of the Beer Vana Podcast. Hey, hi, Patrick. Hi, Jeff. Oh, sorry. I... <laughs> we, so messed up. we messed it up in the first two seconds. <laughs> uh, but like good pros, we won't edit. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, that's very professional. Uh, how are you doing? I'm all right. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. We just finished brewing a beer. We did. We're both a little sluggish. so Yeah, we spent the afternoon on my patio brewing a uh, Best Bitter. Yes. Uh, our version of uh, Fuller's London Pride. We'll see how it goes, but it, n- early indications are good. Yeah, we were we hit our gravity, and uh, we boiled off a little bit more than we wanted, but other than that, everything was like right on the money. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to this one in a few weeks. Uh, this is the Beer Vonda Podcast, of course. With me, as always, is Jeff Allworth, author of the recently released Secrets of Master Brewers, like mm-hmm. us. As well as old favorites like the Beer Bible and Cider Made Simple. You can find him blogging at uh, the fancy schmancy Beervana. I do have a I have an editorial comment on Beervana. Okay. So I remember that you had posted a while back, maybe a month ago, three weeks. I don't remember what it was, but I thought, okay, I want to find that post. And you go and you look at old posts and there's like a windows of about eight of the last ones. And then what do you do? I, I searched for the term I was looking for, and it was fine. But how did you get a list? Well, there is a way. It's a backdoor cheat, because I've encountered this myself, and ah. I didn't design it. So. Okay, so here's for version 3.0. <laughs> there's a pro tip. All right, well, thanks. The backdoor yeah. cheat, incidentally, is just click on my name. Go into one of the Ooh. the things, click on my name, and then it'll give you a long list of all the recent posts. Ah. Okay, I'll remember that. Yes. Uh, uh, so that's you. So that's me. And with me <laughs> is pra- uh, Patrick Emerson, professor of economics at Oregon State University. You can find him uh, mainly tweeting at right. Beeronomics. And there's hope. There's hope that I might be blogging again because I'm just about. I'm about. Well, what day is it today? I'm, I'm less than a month away from uh, stepping down as what is essentially the chair of the economics department. I'm super excited. I should have much more time. I hope. I'll probably waste that time. Uh, doing, doing doing other things, but uh, well, let's hope you waste it on blogging. <laughs> but maybe I'll blog. Uh, okay, uh, it was a lovely day in Oregon because we always mention the weather, so I want people to know today was ideal. It was perfect for brewing. Uh, probably even nicer than it is in New England because low humidity here. I imagine it's a little bit worse there. And why do you mention New England, Patrick? Why, funny you should ask, Jeff. Uh, Sitting in front of me are eight New England IPAs. So today we are going to travel to the leafy precincts of New England and try to discover the secret of those hazy IPAs that have gotten so much attention lately. Uh, Last week, you, Jeff, were in Boston, Cape Cod, Maine. Where else did you go? That's it. That's it, okay. And you brought back a number of New England IPAs for us to try, eight in total. Indeed, and... (laughs) I know. We're going to talk about IPAs, but boy, oh boy, we've got our work cut out for it. And I'm not going to, I mean, we can't, we can't leave any, let any go stray, so. Well, um, <laughs> yeah. So you better, you have your work cut out for you. <laughs> you're the, you're the beer, the beer expert. Uh, no, you have, you've, you've demonstrated an impressive palate, so we're going to be leaning so on So we'll you. discuss what the style is, how these beers are made, and God help us <laughs> taste all the beers. Uh, well, yeah, we'll definitely taste them. Yes. Uh, my goal is to drink them all. Okay. Although I do notice that seven, uh, no, six of the eight cans you brought are 16 ounces. Yeah, and about half of them are double IPAs. Ooh. 
So, <laughs> okay, so we're, you're very we're definitely, not, we're so. definitely not drinking all this beer. Uh, okay, uh, so uh, that's the podcast for today. But of course, before we do that, we got to go straight to the news. Amid all the news of sales and acquisitions and mergers and stuff, we have one really interesting item today. Um, New Belgium and the Belgian Landbeck maker Ode Beersel have teamed up to buy troubled but interesting San Francisco-based Magnolia. So San Francisco, uh, Magnolia, two years ago, I think, had to go into bankruptcy. This is like right after they had purchased a bunch of brewing equipment or something or upgraded the brewery. Is this right or I have this wrong? Uh, close. Yeah, they expanded to a second brewery in oh, okay. the region of San Francisco. They're in San Francisco and their right. base, of, uh, their their old brew pub has always been in Haight-Ashbury, like one block from the intersection. Intersection, yeah. yeah. That's cool. And then they opened to the dog patch region and mm-hmm. I think that was a little bit over leveraged so they filed for bankruptcy protection and apparently um, that has been going on and uh, owner Dave, Dave McLean has looked for some help, and he's found it uh, in this really interesting project. So uh, what's going to happen is they're going to work on uh, spontaneous ales and do lambic blending of Ode Beersel's beers uh-huh. there in San Francisco. Really? Yes. And wow. there's more interesting stuff. So there's this guy named uh, Dick Cantwell, uh-huh. who many yeah. people might know, yes. who was uh, the founding brewer of Elysian, mm-hmm. one of a three-member team of ownership and the one member who did not want to be purchased by AB That's right. voted against it and instantly ret- uh, quit the second the thing went through. Well, he is uh, romantically linked with Kim Jordan, who is the CEO and one of the founders at uh, New Belgium, uh-huh. and they have a home in San Francisco together. Or uh-huh. Actually, I don't know if it's together. They both live in San Francisco. Right. Uh, and so he is going to join this project and work with Dave as they kind of chart this new course for Magnolia. And all of this is really a, a kind of amid these other sort of bland transactions we see. This is a really interesting one, which is likely to produce something new and, and unusual in the United States. So it's one of the rare cases where I'm really looking forward to this project and seeing what's going to come out of it. Yeah, interesting. Uh, the original brewery in the hate is how old? I think it's about 20 years old, somewhere okay. so it's in been, that neighborhood. It's, yeah. it's a fixture at this point. A real point. legacy brewer. Well, that's yeah. really cool. Then. And I, I don't, have you been to it? You're kind of a San Francisco guy. You you got to go because it is... Uh, I do, uh, apparently. Dave, Dave, who looks a lot like Jerry Garcia, I mean a lot, <laughs> uh, is uh, devoted to cast-conditioned British-style ales. Ah. So he has five cask engines in the hate, and you'll find uh, mild, you'll find bitter, it's traditional wonderful wonderful ales so, oh i see so that was his so he's not a he's a not belgian a, style sour brewer no kind of oh okay i know it's an interesting thing and yeah. I, I did i did ping him i sent him an email right after this and said are you gonna give up on the, the cask like i'm a little worried about this <laughs> no 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 we're um we'll still be doing that um it, it has over the years not been the major Part of their barrelage anyway which right. is not shocking to me but yeah but davis davis determined to keep it up and has nice. been all along and it's well, cool. okay i'm definitely gonna have to visit then yeah it's <clears throat> yeah and i know you didn't put it down here in the news but i i i would be remiss not to mention the the scuttlebutt about constellation brands now saying it's 
possible that we paid a little too much for Fallis Point. But what was really interesting about that was they said something along the lines, and I'm completely paraphrasing, paraphrasing and probably messing it up, but that you know the market isn't ready for like a big national craft brand right now. Yeah, which is kind of sort of shockingly naive given what uh, all these other brewers have gone through, most notably. AB who's tried and then basically said, okay, so we're going to stay regional and, go and buy up all these little guys. Yeah. To quote our president, uh, who knew it was hard to make a national <laughs> brand? But that's interesting that that was the idea. I mean, I understood sort of that the idea is they're trying to build it into a bigger brand, but I didn't think that they had thought, you know, within a couple of years, we were going to be a big national player, but right. maybe that's what they did. And that news emerged when they purchased a, a Florida brewery and have planned to do uh, a regional approach right. to the <laughs> right. shifting gears. So anyway, I got I had to throw that throw that in. Okay, Very good. So the Beer Vanda podcast, of course, is brought to you by All About Beer magazine. Explore the culture of beer through award-winning news, reviews, education, and insights. Print and dig digital subscriptions are available by visiting allaboutbeer.com. And be sure to listen to our sister podcast, After Two Beers. Join the editors of All About Beer as they conduct in-depth interviews with the most interesting and compelling figures in the beer industry. Cheers, guys. Excellent. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So uh, we better not waste too much time to turn to our main topic. That's right. Uh, the New England IPA. Tell me about New England IPAs, Jeff. What are we talking about when we say New England IPA? Well, let, yeah, let's... Uh, we'll, we'll talk about these as we start drinking them. And since we have so many, I'm gonna, just going to start pouring one as we we talk about this okay and we can decide how characteristic it is of the yeah so the so well to inform the viewer who's not looking at our table in front of us um one of the of course characteristic and one of the most noteworthy things about new england ipas is that they're supposedly cloudy right so right. uh what we're going to do is try to assess whether that cloudiness has much flavor impact and to do that we're going to start by pouring these into this cool uh, earthenware mug that I got from 33 Books, makers of the 33 uh, Beers Guide. He may uh, Dave Selden there. It's a company here in in, Amer in in Portland that you may have seen his little tasting books. Mm -hmm. uh, he made this cool cider mug, and it is an earthenware opaque cider mug. So when we pour this beer in here, we're not going to know how cloudy it is. And we're going to taste it, and we're going to assess it, and then we'll dump it in a glass to assess with our eyes how cloudy it is. And all right. All of that with our incredibly sensitive uh, critical apparatus, we will render judgments on uh, what kind of association there is between cloudiness and other qualities. Okay. So that's I like that's it. It's high there. concept. I'm ready to go. Yeah, it's very high concept. <laughs> and as I'm pouring, I kind of got to do this without looking at it very closely, right? So uh, probably pouring this over the tabletop that's right but which which beer are we pouring before you so good call sorry <laughs> we've got night shift breweries santilli american ipa here all right and, and night shift brewery is from where night shift brewery is from oh so i got all these beers i went to the craft beer cellar in in boston that's a good point uh, yeah how'd you pick these yeah and i didn't pick these um i went there and said i gotta get all the best newest grooviest characteristic uh india pale ales and he said, oh, okay. And he started going around and picking me out all these different examples. And he is located, that that was the craft beer cellar, and I think the Fort Point section of Boston, which is really near Trillium, which in, in, uh, owing to uh, circumstances beyond my control, I have no Trillium here today. So sorry about ah, that. Um, let's stop the podcast now. I know. There's no other beer. 
but this uh, this uh, night shift is apparently getting a lot of love. So, um, all right, here, here goes the poor without looking. Yeah. Don't look. Okay, I'm not looking, but I did want to say that I I I shoved that beer in front of you because, as far as I can tell, it's the lowest alcohol Ooh. of the beers that you uh, provided us. Look at that poor. Look at that poor. So this is a six percent. Ooh, very nice. That was right to the top. That's, yes, uh, got a nice little head going, so we can't tell anything about the liquid underneath. So, uh, the characteristics of the uh, New England IPA, uh, first of all, is a cloudiness. This is a thing that, um, particularly in the rest of the country, everybody distinguishes New England style of IPA from um, uh, Northwest IPAs. Yeah, and not just a little cloudy, but like sort of milky cloudiness, right? right? Like an orange Julius. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the orange Julius. <laughs> uh, and they're often kind of orangey looking. And we're going to talk a little bit about where the history of these came from. Yeah, I mean, some look a lot like orange juice. Yeah. Sort of. yeah, yeah, yeah. But sort of orange juice with a little bit of milk accidentally spilled in. The other really big characteristic of these of these IPAs, and this is actually not that different from other parts of the country, is this uh, trend towards juiciness and away from uh, bitterness. So they're really doing, we're going to talk about how they're made, but they're really looking for very, very fruity, intensely fruity, aromatic beers that are not super bitter. Mm-hmm. And uh, many people associate that characteristic with the haziness. So that's one uh, reason why we're doing this. Well, that's interesting because I find this one quite bitter. Hmm. Interesting. But, but I shouldn't say that until you try. Well, you can tell you. I'm not that easily swayed. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. You're right. It is really bitter. Yeah. It all of a sudden real occurs to me that by the eighth IPA, I might not be tasting anything. But it's true. We tried try it. <laughs> at, at random. We picked one that was quite bitter, so that was uh, probably <laughs> fortune did not smile on us there. Uh, yeah. So it's it's a little bit citrusy, mm-hmm. but it's a lot more bitter. It's sort of more old school in that sense, um, to me. It is very aromatic, though. Yes. 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 It has a very uh, very nice nose, and it's um, it's rind citrusy. So it's got a it's quite dry. It's got that kind of uh, almost tannic quality that you sometimes get from hops. Mm-hmm. Um, but it has it has the sort of a little bit more of a sort of three C old school. So, hop note to me. So see, are you getting? Is it gritty to the? You get a gritty mouthfeel there. Mm. I wouldn't describe it as gritty, but I would describe it as. Um, what how do i describe it a little bit slick i mean sort of hmm. i don't know well what do you think how cloudy is this thing going to be that's a very good question i have no idea but i would suggest not that cloudy okay we just, have a just because it a vote for not that cloudy old school to me so let's see now we're going to pour it out ooh and i'm right can't get nothing by me it's you're right. It's not milkshake, but it is definitely a fairly cloudy. I mean, it's not a super bright beer, but that's Ooh, not a milkshake. Not a but milkshake. it's um, I, I would I would say that that's pretty. Let's give it a <coughs> on the uh, yeah. Let's, on a scale of one to ten, that's like a three cloudy. Well, for me, a pilsner is a one. Uh, pilsner is a zero. Well, what's a five then? We gotta, we gotta, <laughs> okay, let's calibrate. Yeah, let's gotta calibrate here. <laughs> okay, <laughs> problem is I'm trying to think of like some national beer that we can reference. Uh, 
I don't know, but let's like a like a uh, a classic uh, vice beer or a hefeweizen or something is ten. Really, I was gonna not go quite that far. I was gonna say like a seven, because some of these New England IPAs really are like completely opaque. Well, so are hefeweizen. Some, of, I mean, yeah. that's a, it is this a is special. scintillating podcasting. Right yeah. here. <laughs> We should have calibrated beforehand. Okay. All right. So I'm going to call this a three for me. Obviously, it's a little more for you, but I, I don't think it's particularly cloudy. Okay. Uh, and it's pretty... As for an IPA. And it's pretty bitter. So we'll just... This is actually going to be interesting because we're going to come back around to the question of um, uh, is is the character of New England IPA so so fixed as it seems to be for people outside the region. Yeah. Which is and is it so thing. different than IPAs in other parts of the world? So. That's right. So one of the last things while we're, while we're uh, drinking these, you want to do another one? Uh, yeah, but go ahead. Is a, is a full mouthfeel. And I think this kind of goes toward the, uh, that fluffy look that it has there. There's a, uh, people are often trying to use uh, the, the texture of the beer to, evoke that cloudiness too so it's got a full full almost fluffy mouthfeel so i think these are kind of the 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 three hallmarks the cloudiness the late uh addition hopping with so you get a lot of the 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 aromatics and the fruitiness and the full mouthfeel those are kind of for the rest of the country when they think of of, uh, new england ipas they're looking for those qualities Uh, so which one are you gonna pour all right jazzy juice (laughs) <laughs> no, I'm what I'm, uh, I'm what I'm trying to do is line them up by alcohol content uh, from lowest oh. to, to highest. And, and <laughs> instead of just picking it random, like we did pick- with the first one, yeah. <laughs> well, no, no, that was the lowest one of all. Oh, okay. So that's a six point six percent ABV. Uh, we have three that are, we have four that are six and a half percent. All of them. Huh. Uh, we have two sort of double IPAs that are in the seven, seven point three, and this is seven point eight. But here's one that's a du- it listed as a double IPA, so I'm sure we're well into the sevens. But it doesn't list ABV, which is one of my pet peeves. So, um, well, I'll chastise them for that then. That's the so jazzy I'm, juice. So I'm gonna uh, jigsaw jazz. Right? Jigsaw. I'm gonna grab this one, which is the Nandu Aeronaut. No, is Aeronaut the Aeronaut is the brewing company, and Nandu is the beer. Nandu or is it Doctor Nandu? Uh, is there a doctor? There? A year with oh, Dr. a year Nandu. with Doctor Nandu. Okay, that's high concept. It is uh, Aeronaut Brewing Company in Somerville, Ma, and it's illustrated by Raúl González III, which is kind of cool. Uh, these are label so, here. Interestingly, every single one of these beers is in a can. Oh, that's another thing we should talk about. Yeah, uh, I mentioned that when you brought it. I was like, wow, these are all cans. Did you do that on purpose? But it turns out. They just do that's a lot the of can thing. in there. Yeah, that's the thing. You just find tons of cans. I mean, there are still breweries that, that bottle, but it seems like the younger... Um, I think most of these breweries, if not every one of them, is probably less than five years old. So uh, they're... That's right. We can't... It's hard to... I have it under the table. It's hard, under, it's hard. Under, I was going to... Normally we do the, the sound effects, but I was doing it under the table, so yeah. we don't see the cloudiness. All right, this time it's your turn to start. All right, so Dr. Nandu. So you're with Dr. Nandu by, from Aeronaut Brewing Company. You know, that smells like Maybe An Aeronaut? Should, yeah, <laughs> uh, you're, you, should I not give you my notes? Will I overwhelm you with them? No, go go ahead. I have. It smells like Wanderlust. I'm an independent thinker. Mm, that tastes like head. It's a full fluffy head you before there. <laughs> I know, actually, that was the first taste I had of the other one, of the Santilli. Hmm. 
Interesting. This one's also quite bitter. Quite bitter. It's not quite as bitter as the last one, but um, it is full flavored, and mm. yeah, it's it's bitter, but not nearly as bitter as the Santilli, and it's a little more um, saturated, juicy, and less less sort of floral piney than the Santilli. I'm think. getting a fair amount. Maybe it's a holdover. Maybe we should have a, a glass of water here to, to do it. But it seems a little piney to me. Oh, yeah. There's definitely pine in it. I just mean there's much more of a... To me, there's the the, the Santilli is really pine, piney first. Yeah. They're definitely... Um, Back to Santilli there. Kind of like tangerine. I'm going to say tangerine. Hmm. All right. Cloudiness? No, I have no idea. Could be cloudy. Yeah, you got it. This is what you did to me. All right, you got. You got to I'm, make gonna, a call. I'm gonna say, uh, kind of cloudy. Okay, more cloudy than the Santilli. If you call that a three, I'm saying it's a, a four or five. Okay, here we go. Oh, maybe not even that. Mm-hmm. We got to get some more, so we. No, this is like a two, a one. Really? Oh yeah, you're right. It's very bright, actually. Huh. Yeah. Well, so this is like a two. If if mine's a three, that's a two or even a one. You're right. It's darker. So it's more amber. It could be also. These are canned beers. Mm-hmm. So this, uh, what we're gonna, we we should probably talk a little bit about how they're made in a minute. But um, anything that is in suspension can fall out of suspension. And so uh, this beer, if you were to, if you had any of these beers at the brewery, they're gonna be at their fluffiest, most opaque. And they go in the bottle or the can, and it's their things are going to start clumping out and falling out. Sure. So, um, I don't know. It's interesting. I wonder. We should maybe like swirl these around to get them going, like a hafevites, and try to rouse the rouse the tube. Rouse, rouse the tube. So this is so this leads to a very good point. Like, where is this cloudiness coming from? My 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 understanding of I've never had the heady topper, but my understanding of heady topper is that that cloudiness is largely just a whole bunch of little bits of uh, hops that have still floating around suspension. Yeah. I, I don't know. I did a little bit of reading about um, the different techniques people are using for these. Mm -hmm. Well, I would like to have gotten some tape um, from one of the brewers making it, but I brought these back and we really felt like we needed to taste them as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, And John uh, Kimmich at, uh, I think I'm getting his name right at uh, the alchemist where Hedy topper is made actually, talk to somebody about this uh-huh. and he doesn't really use very many interesting techniques right. uh so uh, yeah it's interesting i think he he we're going to talk a little bit we should probably talk now about how how the haziness comes um he doesn't trick it out so i'm not exactly sure where that comes from right uh but let's actually while we're while we're uh going on here let's talk a little bit about some of the different theories about how you make these things cloudy yeah well one thing we can just mention in passing is that uh if you go back to our yeasty boys podcast we we uh i was gonna say comprehensively but at least in their minds uh they completely ruled out the fact that yeast could remain in suspension they were sure that it's not yeast that were. it's true and yet they gave us their yeast that was optimized to make these things, mm-hmm. and we made that that pale ale, and yep. it was just murky and hazy as crap. So, <laughs> and we made it the same way we make all our other beers. Yeah. So I'm not really sure if if it's not the yeast that's staying in in suspension, something else is happening. And there is a theory about that. Okay, 
so let's pour another one out. I'll, I'll pour the next one out. I'll talk a little bit about the way these things are made. Okay. Actually, you pour the one out. I'll talk, All right. I'll yeah, talk you, about you, that. You can't do two things I at once. I can't do two no. things. <laughs> yeah. We've established that many times. Um, the beers are usually made with uh, a mash that is slightly higher temperature than the standard mash, often single infusion. And uh, the reason they do that is for that fuller mouthfeel. You're going to get more residual sugars the higher you mash. And uh, you're... Uh, more mouthfeel mm-hmm. so that that's just starting out many of them use wheats and oats uh in the beer right and either or sometimes both and those are cloudy those are you know wheat beers as we know can be very cloudy right and oats add cloudiness so that's one way to create that visual sensation yeah uh so the one that i just yeah, opened and poured out is uh from bent water brewing company it's sluice juice and they call it on their label and new england India Pale Ale, and uh, they are from uh, Lynn, Massachusetts. And I'd have to say that of all these cans, that's my favorite. It's a nice can. I agree. Very nice. It has some kind of weird swirly thing. You know what's interesting about it is it's actually a stick-on label on the... That's a, that's a thing. Yeah, I've not seen that before. That's new. That's a new thing to me. So it's hmm. a stick-on label onto a regular can. I guess that makes it a little bit... You don't have to buy it. You can just buy plain cans and then... Gives you some flexibility at the plant, but yeah, it's a really nice. It's a nice can. It's a nice uh, clean uh, logo. I like it. Has a very interesting aroma. Yeah, I noticed that. <laughs> what, how would you describe that? Uh, you'd have to give it to me, and I would try again. It's almost a little sour in the nose. Not, yeah, almost like in the way that sort of tropical fruit smells yeah, a little sour. I, yeah, and I don't mean that to be a negative. Yeah. Like not, not, not spoiled sour, but... Right. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> now we've gone in a new new direction. This has a... One of the most interesting things about this has a really interesting mouthfeel. Uh-huh. So the hops are um, uh, quite fruity. There's an interesting like vanilla note in there. Hmm. Hmm. They don't um, <clears throat> put too much information about the beer itself on their cans. They keep things a little close to the vest here. That is very, very, very sweet and juicy. Boy, oh boy, that's super juicy. Yeah, called Sluice Juice, so. That is a juice bomb. So Patrick's drinking. Uh, I will say that mm-hmm. another technique some people use mm-hmm. is to add lactose. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a, a way of adding some sugar and also mouthfeel because uh, lactose is a sugar that... Uh, uh, Saccharomyces cannot digest, so it stays in in the beer. Wow, that is one of the most interesting beers I've had in a long time. Totally, <laughs> and I mean that in a totally good way. Yeah, like that's a really interesting, different. I know. There's a hot when you taste a beer, you have a grid in your mind, mm-hmm. and you expect the beer to fall in the grid, and exactly. you're like, you know, it's got these these things, and this is a little. There's there's qualities of this beer that are not on that grid. It doesn't hammer you with like one big flavor like orange or grapefruit or tangerine. It's got a few little flavors in there that are sort of mingling. Yeah. Almost uh I kind of want to say something like mango papaya sort of and then with a the mouthfeel that's a bit kind of creamy and mm. Yeah, it is. It's just that mouthfeel is really boy, that's a full mouthfeel. Yeah. 
Is this the whole beer in here? Because we've got to <laughs> it's, move it out. It's close. <laughs> All right. Uh, what's your call? I, I don't know. If this isn't hazy, we've missed a terrible opportunity. I'm going to say I, it like a seven. Yeah, I, I'm thinking this is going to be kind of classy, classic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, milky, kind of hazy. Holy moly, look yep. at that thing. There All right, go. so we're starting to... Now we've reached the art, the stereotype. Boy, that looks like an orange Julius. <laughs> Except it's not so orange, actually. It's very... Um, a yellow Julius. It's almost like a wheat beer color, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's straw. But you can't see anything through that. Nope. I mean, that's an eight, nine... Ten. <laughs> That's entirely opaque. There's not a lot of light getting through. Yeah, it's a light colored beer, but so this is an interesting one. I, uh, there, there are other there are other ways to increase mouthfeel. Include, and this one is a really far out thing, and I don't know how many breweries are doing it, but mm-hmm. some people say that people are just adding flour. Yeah, just basically adding blatantly adding flour. I heard that. Um, I'd actually, I would be surprised if very many breweries are doing that. It just seems like a weird affectation. Um, another interesting thing, and here we come to the heavy topper. But okay, but still, how do you get that? I don't know. Uh, sorry, I'm. <laughs> yeah. can, can everyone see? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it really is sort of milkshake cloudy. It is. So that's, I mean, that's a lot of. There's something in suspension. It's got to be very fine. Yeah. And very light colored. Many people talk about that's the, probably why people assume flour, but it could be, you know, just the way you're using oats or wheat or. Yeah, um, at Alchemist they uh, use chloride treatment, mm-hmm. so add a lot of chloride to the water. This is apparently a big thing, uh-huh. and it increases mouthfeel. And some people think that it may have a, an effect, a biochemical effect, when you start adding because um, later in the process you're going to do a lot of dry hopping. Yeah, and. Uh, we're going to talk about how that may affect this stuff too, but yeah, um, but that color's not hops. No, that, and it looked that it, I can tell you. It does. So some people think that what's in suspension is yeast, uh-huh. okay, and and some people think that what's in suspension is uh, proteins, flat, you know, uh, proteins from the malt, and yeah. and uh, and possibly some hot particles and hot proteins and polyphenols and that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't know. I can't. Visual inspection fails me. I don't. I, I don't yeah, know how knows, to but, dis- but, discern what what kind of cloudiness. Would but I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna hitch my wagon to the horse of proteins from from the the grist, and I, I'm guessing that there's there's pretty finely milled wheat or or oats in here. There's, that is the that is the fullest mouthfeel I can remember having in a beer in recent memory. Yeah, and it, I mean, it doesn't have a weedy. It's like kind of like it's, weedy flavor. It's, and this is kind of almost the way it tricks your mind, especially the ones that are like really orange juicy. Is that if you have, uh, you know, the pulp-free orange juice, that's kind of that mouthfeel, that thick, uh-huh. rich sort of mouthfeel. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So all right. all right, lugubrious. Uh, let's move on. Uh, that's three. Okay. Um. Okay, keep pouring. I'm going to keep talking about how they're made because yep. all of these things may factor in. Uh, the truth is there are a lot of theories about this, but I think that even the people who are making them are not entirely sure. They know mm-hmm. that it works, and so there's you know, some, some stuff there. So moving along, another thing you can do is uh, another kind of classic thing with these beers is to use English ale strains, which are known for their fruity esters and... Uh, the the quality that you're trying to get is this juiciness, this fruitiness. So yeah. you add a, an English 
yeast strain, and mm-hmm. you're going to get some of that. Now, depending on what English yeast strain you use, some some of them are highly flocculent. This is a word that means clumping. So right. when, when yeasts clump together, they become too heavy. The, the cells become too heavy, and they fall out of suspension. So mm-hmm. that gives you, a, if it's a very highly flocculent yeast strain, like we used the Fuller's yeast strain, 1968, uh, although we used White Labs today. I can't remember what it's called. It's a famously uh, flocculent yeast, and it will drop out of suspension very fast. So if you're, I think so if you're using these other strains that are very uh, powdery and stay in suspension, you may get some, some of that mm-hmm. um, as you're fermenting. All right, so yeah. what do we got here? Okay, so this one that I just opened is the uh, Castle Island Brewing Company Keeper, and this one is a New Age India Pale Ale. Uh, Castle Island Brewing Company is from Norwood, Massachusetts. So I'll tell you, uh, he when I was when I bought these beers, he gave me more than the ones we have here, and I drank some of them, and I drank another one of the Castle Island. How I, dare you! I liked it quite a bit. It was uh, uh, it was an IPL, and it was very nice. I think it was nice. I think I'm not confusing that with another one. Uh, well, I'm glad it's nice. IPL is not a style I tend to like very much, but that's me. Yeah. All right, um, I'm going to go ahead and start this one. That's fine. This one again is going back to what I would call a more classic. Uh, nose, a little more piney, a little more floral. Oh, wow. What is that? That's so... Yeah, that's uh, very piney. It... It's kind of a straight pine. Almost like, maybe, is it pine though, or is it juniper? Mm-hmm. I don't know, but it tastes like very cascady to me. Mm. Yeah, it's very floral. The the hop qualities are on the floral, kind of almost herbal side. Yeah, it's got an herbal an herbal flavor that I recognize really strongly, but I can't put my... It's a lavender? I feel like it's... Uh, I've had it in a beer before. A well-known beer. And I can't put my, na- my mm-hmm. finger on There's it. There's something kind of earthy underneath, too. Mm-hmm. And then it's quite fruity also. Um, there's not, it's not a bitter. Yeah, actually it's that earthiness that I'm really, that's a good call. That's it. I like that one. It's got a bit of a fruitiness, a very sort of subtle fruitiness on top, but it's got a very, yeah, kind of earthy, deep base. Hmm. Wow. That's an interesting beer. Yeah, it is. But, but the hopping is really pine. Me. I mean, it's very piney, but it's um, the fruitiness might come from the yeast. I'm not sure. It there it is a uh, it's a it's piney without being bitter, which is kind of unusual. Usually, when you've got pine, you've got a fair amount of bitterness. Mm, I think it's pretty bitter. This is an interesting thing about these beers. So, uh, what we've learned from uh, hops researcher Tom Shellhammer, who we, whom we talked to earlier, mm-hmm. is that you actually extract bitterness from these hops, uh, even if they're if even if you're not. Uh oh. Yeah, that's correct. We got we yeah. forgot we we were gonna so we didn't end up with this problem. We were gonna put the glasses with the cans and then we just realized we'd already started to blunder. There we go. We're we're doing a little organizing here. Just organizing. stay tuned. Stay <laughs> uh, <laughs> Tom Shellhammer points out that um Nobody has ever used these quantity of hops. So just to finish the the brewing method, in yeah. addition to the English yield, uh, English ale strains, mm-hmm. um, you've got a lot of dry hopping in these hops. So yeah. uh, you're gonna maybe add almost no hops at the start of the boil. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe maybe some partly for kettle performance. Right. Uh, a little bit of iso amyl, uh, iso alpha uh, 
bitterness. Mm-hmm. Not much. You're going to add a lot at the end. You're going to do a post kettle infusion in the whirlpool, mm-hmm. or if you've got a hot bag or hop jack, something in another vessel after right. after flame out. And then dry hopping. And a lot of these guys, I was reading about it, a lot of them will begin dry hopping as early as during fermentation and continue dry hopping new 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 dry new infusions throughout uh, the next week or two wow. uh, while they while the beer conditions. And one of the theories is that uh, the there's a kind of um, that so when you when you apparently when you dry hop during fermentation you because there's a lot of off gassing, you're blowing off a lot of the aromatics. Mm-hmm. But some people ha- hold this theory, and I think there is this is backed by no science. But some people <laughs> hold this theory that uh, the fermentation creates a kind of bio. There's a word called biotransformation, which Tom talked about. Right. So it'll change the character of the uh, the uh, terpenes in the in the hops. But some people believe that it also sends the oils more deeply into suspension in the beer and mm. some does some kind of biochemical bonding thing or uh-huh. I'm not using the right chemistry here, the right terms of chemistry. But that's one of the things that gives the beers the haze. Um, but one thing we definitely know is that if you use so many hops, uh, even in dry hopping, you're extracting some bitterness. There are oxidative compounds known as humulinones mm-hmm. that you'll extract from uh, hops. Uh, the the older your hops are and the more oxidative compounds are, the more bitterness you'll get. There are also polyphenols, and there might be other bittering compounds that people are picking up when they're when they're putting these in the beer. And what I have found is that I I am I find that a lot of these beers seem to have much more bitterness than other people find. They'll say it's just super juicy to me, and I find a little bit of a harsh, often a harsh flavor. Huh. But in this one. Uh, the Castle Island, which you're getting more of that. Yeah, I think it's quite bitter. I'm getting it's. Let me, let me hand that over here. Yeah, we got to pour it out too, so you yeah. can do your. It's interesting. It, the first that first piney smack is is bitter, but then it's when I swallow, it's just kind of sweetness and light. Mm, interesting. No, I get it. I get it. Castle Island, you're welcome to use sweetness and light. Sweetness and light. <laughs> <laughs> Renamed sweetness and light, new age happy. All right, so uh, cloudiness. Uh, I'm gonna say four, four or five. What are you gonna say? I'm gonna say like two or three. Okay. All right. You've been better at this than I have. Hmm. Let's see. We gotta let it rest. It's unclear yet. Yep. It's about a three. There we go. All right. <clears throat> yeah, maybe a four. Let's see. It's pretty, but it's not milkshake cloudy at all. It's nope. it's just a, a but hazy. It, but it's pretty hazy. I yeah, mean, it is hazy. So you this you, is you, this is on the outer edge of Portland hazy. Yeah. So you got this one right. If we calling this one a, a the the year with Doctor Nandu was a what two or something, two, and yeah. this was a three. The Santilli. <laughs> this the the uh, the bent water sluice juice was a. With like a nine or a ten, then let's one. call it a nine. And on the op, on the assuming that the platonic ideal of cloudiness is yet to be met. Okay, yeah, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> but it goes to eleven, man. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, then I would call this maybe a five. Okay, so it's actually cloudier than I, ex- I expected. I'm well, well done. Thank you. Uh, yeah, it was that. It was that. That juiciness. I was thinking that juiciness was going to be the cloudiness. So I don't. Yeah, know. I was. You know, it's for me. It's like sort of has an old school pl- flavor flavor profile. So it kind of makes me think more. I think it might be that pininess. It's the piney. Yeah. 
but it's uh it's just when you taste pine you expect uh an old school look but it was the ju- it was the juicy so i don't know all right um so <clears throat> next one uh that i'm about to pour out is the bee hoppy india pale ale from wormtown brewery brewed and canned by wormtown brewery in worcester mass so I w- when I was on in Worcester, <laughs> thank you. Right. You you can go ahead and Patrick's family actually lives in New England, so we can get away with that. It's only I actually I have cousins in Worcester, so I'm not going to try to get away with the. Uh, <laughs> I know it's probably terrible. Pack my car. That I'm not going to do any of that business. But um, but Patrick can try. You guys can uh, please write in with your impression, uh, your uh, uh, judgment of his uh, New England stylings. All of my Boston family will. So this beer was actually, uh, there was a fair amount of this on uh, Cape Cod and uh, of Wormtown, and I uh-huh. became intrigued. That's a weird name. Like, you wouldn't just pick that out of the uh, out of a hat. It's not it's necessarily attractive. I mean, yeah. it's, it's Massachusetts. Everything's historic. Well, right? it's sort of historic, but you're going to like this. Care to guess what it comes from? Uh, the fact that there are a lot of worms. <laughs> no, that's that's the four uh, IPAs hit me already. <laughs> your, your creativity's shot. <laughs> Apparently, back in the late seventies and early eighties, uh, the punk scene in Worcester uh, was uh, fairly active, and it was a punk term to refer to the city of Worcester. Ah, uh, so they called themselves Wormtown, uh, so which it's is a, like it's like a punk thing. Yeah. So it's very cool. I. I give him big props for that. That's a great, uh, great and, reference. you know, uh, about a century different, but sort of like referring to Portland as Stumptown, just some kind of local, yeah, pejorative <laughs> <laughs> that you that you claim. All right, you're gonna you're gonna be the okay the judge of this one. So this is Be Hoppy again by Wormtown Brewery <clears throat> from Worcester. Worcester, it does it does it does really coax you into Worcester. doing your terrible uh, <laughs> Boston accent, doesn't it? Uh, most of my family doesn't actually have. Not much of an accent. My fam- my in laws. So Sally's families are all Worcester guys. <laughs> Sally has three brothers uh, who live in the Boston area, and they all everybody in Sally's family has a thick New England accent, except Sally, which is such a shame from my perspective. Yeah. Uh, but the funny thing is, the ones who moved to Boston have now lived in Boston a lot longer than they lived in in Maine. Mm-hmm. So they have this kind of weird, perverted Maine Boston accent, which also super cracks me up. Yeah, <laughs> they're really <laughs> fun good. to hang out and drink beers with. Uh, the Maine accent's the best of all. Yeah, the main accent is more rural and slow, and uh, uh, I don't know how to describe it. The Boston accent's kind of got that hard edge that you get from a city, yeah, and it's like fast and aggressive, and um, so the two kind of combined in an interesting <laughs> way. Every, sorry, everybody from Massachusetts and New England in general, I'm sorry, I apologize. We're probably just, just stereotyping you terribly. But keep in mind that well, you I all have used a really to call big our family. I know all these <laughs> I've seen them. I, yeah. We, I love New England. I went to a Boston Red Sox game at Fenway. I'm wearing my Fenway shirt. It's kind of hot, so I'm not wearing my Boston cap. But um, I became a Boston Red Sox fan in the late 90s before they won. So no, 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 uh, no bandwagon for me. Okay, sorry. Back to the beer. Be uh, hoppy. It's very. So we smelled. We always smell our hops before we brew. And when we smelled the East Kent Goldings uh, today, I, I confess they just smelled generically hoppy. Yeah. This smells exactly like the East Kent Goldings. Smell that. Just like uh, that's hops. 
Yeah, just hmm, hops. Ah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just sort of early, sort of you know, generic, uh, indistinct, greeny, hoppy smell. Yeah, I yeah. wouldn't. All Which right. since you, you hand it to me now, I guess I'm tasting it. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, so this has that sort of creamy mouth feel. That kind of. Well, I'm getting a little. I'm getting a little late bitterness. Very late bitterness. Oh wow, that's interesting. Because it's not bitter at all when it first hits your tongue. It's very sweet. It, yeah, but wait for a second. <laughs> the the um, I mean, I almost wouldn't be. I wouldn't be shocked if they had lactose in this beer. I mean, it's it's yeah. got a yeah. And it is, you're right, it's creamy. It's not, it's not quite as, uh, full-bodied as the sluice juice, but it's, um, but it's, it's, it's got a fair amount of body. Now they, they, on the can they say, and this could be just, uh, age, but they say it has a, a big citrus forward flavors and I'm not getting mm-hmm. big citrus forward flavors, mm-hmm. uh, double dry hopped and hop back processes. So it could be that this is starting to lose that. I don't know. It does not taste aged to me in in a way that you know yeah no it doesn't taste old in that sense but it just it doesn't jive for me with what the can says i'm not getting big citrus i'm getting it's more herbal earthy yeah there's gonna be a really weird way to say this but it's almost like a a banana sweetness without that sort of banana flavor it's um kind of that just kind of really uh mild sweetness you know what i mean like doesn't have a really distinct flavor behind it hmm. i know that in beer when you get banana esters they tend to really pop banana but i'm just talking about like when you eat a new banana and it's hmm. that's an interesting flavor note let me give me I yeah, gotta try I, that can't, I can't pin it down but that's my best and that's also sort of it reminds me of that because of the creamy mouthfeel too when you eat a new banana and it's sort of hmm. interesting all right uh, clarity. So, so yeah, clarity. Boy, I just can't guess on this one. This one, I'm gonna guess is more cloudy. I'm gonna say a six. Oh boy, what a guess! I'm gonna say a three. I think you're gonna be closer than me again. Oh yeah, no, in fact, even less than that. Even less than that. This is pretty bright. Here, let's uh. Oh my gosh. It's a one. <laughs> yeah, that's that's quite bright. <clears throat> Here, I'm swirling the bottom of the can Let's to see, see if, if you're right about that. Well, they say there's yeast. There could be yeast sediment, but it's not doing much. I'm not anyway. rousing any yeast sediment. Yeah. There's nothing coming out of there. So that's all right. Well, and that one is. Uh, uh, I actually heard a little bit about this. People, this is a. This this beer is pretty readily available and kind of a well known beer. I think um, mm-hmm. the guy at the uh, craft beer cellar mentioned uh, this is a great beer. It's a classic. The punchers. And love they it. have they have another one that's called Bee Hoppier. I think, and this is one <laughs> that I drank. And it has, so the label on the the can has a smiley face, and the Bee Hoppier has a smiley face. Oops, uh, sorry, I'm rustling here. Uh, peeling away and another smiley face popping out of it. <laughs> so cool. uh, and that was a good beer. 
I don't really remember it. Is that like a double IPA? It was a double IPA. Yeah. <laughs> Be hoppier. Be hoppier. Uh, All right. So that ends the, uh, the... How many have we tried? Five. So five of them are what I would describe as IPA. It's all within... I think most of them are 6.5%. The first one was 6%. And then the last three are all really double IPAs. All uh, right. We have a 7.8, we have a 7.3, and we have one that just says double. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, but I have to admit, at this point, there's almost... I mean, I would I would call the bent water sluice juice that looks like a milkshake and is extremely uh, um, fruity, although... What I like about the sluice juice is that the fruitiness to me is that sort of this subtle kind of papaya mango fruitiness, not the like orange juice fruitiness. But that's the only one that I would look at and describe as sort of the stereotype of a New England IPA. I'm going back through and tasting a few here. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so this is, we're going to come to this. I want to talk a little bit about whether the rest of the country is putting New England in a box because... Uh, you know, we've, we've really become very rigid about what a New England IPA must be. Yeah. We should talk about this because I would describe at least three of them as pretty pretty standard, almost slightly old school IPAs. And this is one thing, I mean, I think when people talk about this juicy quality mm-hmm. in, in American hopping, um, when I went on the Beer Bible now two years ago, uh, I, I was finding that juiciness was ubiquitous. I was finding it in the South. I was finding it in the Midwest. I was f- certainly finding it on the West Coast. It's happening all over Portland. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you're talking about the, 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 very, the very fruity bouquet, the very fruity presentation, uh, the intense flavor and aroma of hops without the bitterness, mm-hmm. it's happening all over the country. Yeah. So it's really the haziness that people are fixing all the attention on. And I think for many people, the haziness is a proxy for that fruitiness. And I've often, the reason I've been a skeptic of the New England IPA style is because I think this is a trend that we're seeing all over the country. And, um, so I, I don't know. I was really, so I have one, been an I, interesting experiment. But I have one comment yeah. that I'd like to add, which is that if it really is in suspension, these proteins that are from maybe a really fine grist of oats or wheat or whatever it is, um, which is my, my leading theory, uh, then you take a really sort of juicy, hoppy, IPA and you have that in suspension, it creates both a creamy mouthfeel and I think um, my uh, theory is that it helps the the juiciness pop from the hops, that it kind of, in your mouth, it, the interplay there really, really accentuates those, ju- that juiciness component. Huh. So when I think of a New England IPA, it's not just a, a juicy citrusy IPA, but it has that sort of creamy mouthfeel and uh, almost uh, almost overly sweetness that sort of comes from that. And I and I'm and who knows, but I'm suspecting that's from the proteins. Yeah, and and people will talk about them as being almost absent bitterness. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's another thing I've been interested in here. And and really, none of these have been absent bitterness. Um, even the sluice juice, I think I'm going back in. All right, I'm going to I'm going to move on now to the Bissell Brothers Reciprocal India Pale Ale. And as I do this, you can tell us about your trip to Bissell Brothers to procure this. My uh wife's mother was going to come visit us in Boston, but could not pull it off because she is uh moving and she was busy and she was even having a uh uh yard sale and she just couldn't pull it off. So we drove up to Maine and on our way back 
we stopped off at Bissell Brothers, which is from Portland, Maine. Portland, Maine, and they are one of the kind of there's there's three or four breweries right now that are really really strongly associated with the New England style, uh, New England IPA style, mm-hmm. and Bissell Brothers is is kind of one of the the classic, uh, mm-hmm. maybe the the cla- along with Maine Beer Company, but even even kind of surpassed Maine Beer Company as the like the premier New England IPA house. And in fact, at the brewery, they did they did have a couple beers that were not in that camp, but basically they only make New England IPA. It's like the, that's their thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and uh, you had to wait in line for this? I did have to wait in line. Um, there was a giant line. It was maybe 150 feet long. We thought they opened at noon, and we showed up at 11.45 thinking we were very clever. Mm-hmm. Uh, they opened at 11, <laughs> so we were not quite as clever as we thought. And they had two beers. They mm-hmm. had this one we ha- that we have in front of us, Reciprocal, and which is a double IPA. And it is a uh, Kiwi double IPA, so you should like this Ooh. one. And then they had their flagship Substance Ale, uh, which sold out. Mm-hmm. Did you have any of this at the, at the brewery? Or is this the I didn't first have, time? No, I've never okay. had this beer before. Uh, I had I had Baby Genius, which was a session IPA, mm-hmm. and Ingram. I think it was a wheat. It was a wheat beer, and I really really liked the Ingram. And they were both uh, very, they were milkshakey. So I'm I'm guessing without even tasting this or looking at it or anything else, it's gonna be it's gonna be an eight, just because that's what Bissell Brothers is known for. Mm. Kiwi, huh? Yeah, it's all, it, I, mm-hmm. as I recall, it's all uh, Nelson Savin and yep. Green Bullet or whatever all those things are. <laughs> Motueka. I'm, I'm not remembering all of them that well, but <laughs> they may even have some Galaxy in there. I don't <laughs> it's know. just our six IBA. <laughs> okay. We're hanging in there, though. Mm. We've been actually quite parsimonious, I have to say, that we have a whole lot of beer sitting here. Holy crap. That beer is really... This one seems like a, a classic of the genre. Uh, super, super, super fruity and basically no bitterness. That's like a fruit salad right there. Mm-hmm. Holy moly. The bitterness gets you just a little bit at the end. It's a At the aftertaste, but... It's a double on the, tongue, on the tongue, it's very sweet. Yeah, it's very yep. sweet. It's a, these, yeah, this is big. This is seven point three percent. The double IPAs I've I've I found can sometimes uh, be more sweet because that the bitterness is cosseted in in the sweetness of the malt. So yeah, uh, you can kind of conceal bitterness better in a double IPA. Mm-hmm. Excuse me, it lingers. All right, we should mention just yeah. I'm going to say it's just an eight. Super, yeah, I'm going to say an eight. I'm going to say it's hazy. I'll call seven just for to be different. Yeah, nine. <laughs> Holy moly! <laughs> Actually, I don't think. Well, maybe it's going to be the same as. I mean, when you're, it's pouring out, it just looks yeah, milkshaky. Looks milkshaky. Yeah, this is this is almost identical, in fact, to the uh, Bent Water Sluice Juice. Now, an interesting thing about this brewery is they actually, when I went to the That's men's room, nine. <laughs> they they pasted recipes on the wall. Oh really? Yeah, and like they they working used, recipes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, or at least former recipes. Uh-huh. Um, and they they use they they take uh, generous use of wheat notes, but um, no funny business, no uh, flour or any of that stuff. Right. So. Yeah, I don't. I I suspect that. I mean, I don't know how. 
how fine how finely do you do you mill uh wheat before you call it flour i mean if you just if you have if you're using wheat in brewing and you and you mill it pretty finely then you're going to get probably more protein suspension this is my theory by the way i'm pushing it <laughs> but i mean it's not it's not flour but it's still a wheat byproduct right well, i think people <clears throat> i think people were putting flour in the beer after it was you know after the mash like in the kettle oh i see yeah That's uh, nice. I like that. Yeah, that's a good beer. I mean, there's a reason why these that 150 foot line. I will say, uh, we went through that line in 20 minutes. They were built to move people through. They were very customer friendly. There was not a lot of. They weren't making us pay the, you know, <laughs> pay, pay for our privilege of they, buying their beer. They, they weren't voodoo donuts, in other words. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's right. No, they were very gracious. A guy came out the second the substance blew. A guy came out to tell everybody. And uh-huh. not a single person got out of the line, uh, but he still told us. So, um, and you know, I've heard that this happens at Trillium, and there's an even more famous brewery in Massachusetts called Treehouse, right? And people go crazy for that, and um, it's a big mob scene there, apparently. And it, and it does. I, I'm, I've heard it takes a fair amount of time to get through the lines there, but I don't know if that's true or if that or why that would be the case. All right, Jeff, you hanging in there? I'm hanging in there. Here's number seven. So while you're pouring number seven, this is our jazzy juice. This is Jazzy Juice. This is our Jigsaw Jazz. Uh, AKA Jazzy Juice. <laughs> From Fort Hill Brewery. Oh my gosh, it's spilling it. Thank you, Patrick. Uh, in East Hampton, Massachusetts. Ma. East Hampton. East Hampton, ma. Do they say East Hampton or East Hampton? They often like drop uh, consonants. I've already taken. Oh, I'm. I'm <sighs> you saw it, didn't you? I saw it. <laughs> saw it. <laughs> All right, no guessing for you. Um. <laughs> I think it's a, it's an interesting question of how we got here. You know, why are why are these breweries making these kind of beers? And um, I think it goes back to Hetty Topper was this in, incredibly important beer in New mm-hmm. England, and it was kind of the the earliest beer that was that was super cloudy. And and right. and they weren't trying to make it cloudy; they were just trying to make it in, as infused with hop goodness as possible. Right. And it turned out to be cloudy. Right. I read about it in the beer bible. I had it, and then it was terrible. I thought it was hideous. <laughs> um, it. it I had it. Wait, wait, wait. Um, you thought you, you don't like the flavor? No, I like I like the flavor a lot. Oh, you, you saw the cloud. Okay, so I want yeah. to be clear about that. Yeah, I, and think, it, and I didn't think you thought it was a bad beer. No, and it said on it said on the can. I may still say on the can. Leave in the can. Yeah, yeah. It does. <laughs> well, at least the pictures I've seen of the can say yeah. exactly that. Yeah. Uh, and it was. Um, it wasn't just this milkshake though. There were you could see a, the, the the pour that I had. I saw chunks like little little bits in there, and um, that was unsightly. But it tasted great, so I think uh, you know that's the that I think that's where the association started. Hill Farmstead is another uh, right. kind of famous brewery uh, from also Vermont that uh, was uh, one of the leading breweries to do this. Uh, Lawson's Finest Liquids. Wait, hold on. I have to before you go before you go. This the uh, the the label on the can has Fort Hill Brewery Jigsaw Jazz Double IPA, but when you read the side it says brewed and canned by 1776 brewing company incorporated that's huh. on fort hill road so uh <laughs> take your pick i guess it's either the fort hill brewery or the 1776 brewing company i guess the fort hill brewery is the brewery itself and the company 1776 a little complicated they also don't put their abv on there so but one thing we two know demerits but is, is it is jazzy juice <laughs> it's also it's also like to do jazzy juice. It's jig, jigsaw jazz. Oh, jigsaw jazz. Yeah. So two demerits uh, there, but uh, it's uh, really fine beer. 
it's it's quite sweet. Again, we're we're now we're getting into yeah. a real we're mining a sweet vein here. It's it's uh it's big. I don't know what it is, but I'm gonna guess seven and a half or something like that. So these beers are not th- this this new. Uh, but this one has a nice kind of um for me mix of sort of. That's too sweet for me. Is it? Yeah, it's just too sweet. There's not any bitterness there. There's a kind of. Uh, it is true. This is the one that I've been. I've been finding these more bitter than you. But this is one that I. I agree. It's not. In fact, the only kind of snap you get is from the alcohol. Yeah, it's got kind of a pop rocks fizziness in the mouth with the sweetness. Really? Well, I'm not there at all. I find it kind of uh, pleasant. <laughs> it is our seventh beer, so we may start to be suffering. Uh, the the effects of the seven beers we've. It could be, but we also have different palates, so. And we're professionals. Yeah, we're professionals about this. I can't quite. It is sweet, and and it's kind of perplexing. I can't quite put my finger on it. What flavors I'm? What, how would you describe it? Yeah, I think what, what, the reason I said pop rocks is, it is kind of fizzy on the tongue. It is very full-bodied, mm-hmm. so that's one thing. Yep. I'm just going to point that out. So I'm going to guess it's going to be cloudy. Um, but it's so sweet, and the flavors are kind of uh, almost indistinct. And I think it just—I was getting a little bit of the kind of candy sweetness, the kind of sweetness that you get from—you know—you get you buy a candy, and it'll say it's raspberry flavored. It's kind of raspberry flavored, but it's yeah. just, you know it's like that. So I, I'm getting a. Yeah, I'm actually going to agree with you there. It's got a sweetness that it's hard to identify fully. And so it's kind of just almost a generic sweet. And it inflects the hops. So if you want to call so that candy, then I guess, yeah. They the, the the hops then take on that kind of... But I like it, and I don't I, usually I like the really, IPAs. I was going to guess really hazy, but... So um, that's probably why. Oh. <laughs> but you, you, poured, you poured it out. So. I saw it anyway. <laughs> and you saw it anyway, so... Uh, okay, I'm going to guess a five. <laughs> you know what? You're not wrong this time. Let's see how close I got, <laughs> even when I could see it. Yeah. Oh, actually... Maybe like a six. Maybe like a six, yeah. yeah. But still, there's only really two milkshakes here. Yep. And milkshake is what I think of when I think of a stereotypical moonlight here. Yeah. yeah, and I think... So this style is uh, less than 10 years old. Um Hetty, I think it's 2011, and I think they were making it before they were canning it, so maybe a little bit older. Um, Hill Farmstead, not a super old brewery. So a lot of these breweries are not old, and don't look when you pour. I'm not looking. All right. My eyes are... We got the boom sauce, man. We're going out with the boom. Oh, yeah. So this is my... This is actually the save the best for last. <laughs> for the names. It's true. So, so this is... This is... Boom sauce from, from uh, I love it from uh, Lord Hobo Brewing Company. Lord Hobo Brewing Company is from Ah Wuben Mass. All right, Wuben. Wuben. Well, Wuben. You're really burying the R there. We I texted my brother-in-law Tom. Tom, if you're listening, hi. There's no, there's no R in that. What are you talking about? And Wuben. And he wrote back Woo Burn. But I but nobody so, in, nobody in was nobody in uh, Massachusetts says burn. So I know it's not burn. Woo burn. But. So for those, but you you've basically dropped it. You're so, saying woo bun. <laughs> so if you want to uh, sound it out phonetically, it would be woe burn. Uh, but it's women. Uh, <laughs> women mad. All right, go sauce. Women. <laughs> uh, no matter what, it's called boom sauce, and I love it. Yeah, that's. Uh, I hope it tastes good. Okay. So is, 
Was Here. this another one of the ones that said it is a uh, New England IPA on the label? Or a few of them said what that. What does it say? It just says India Pale Ale. On the size, it says, oh, well, on the side, it says, Boom Sauce is one of our New England style. <laughs> Sorry, let me let me start over. Is one of our New England style IPAs. There you go. Uh, I thought it was going to be a new something. Uh, it's completely unfiltered beer with great drinkability. Keep it cold. Drink it fresh. Da da da. It's one of our new England style IPAs. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whole different thing. They, they need a comma there. So, mm. avoid embarrassment by yours truly. Mm. Not sure about the boom sauce. I have to say. Oh no! We have gone out on a whimper. No, no. I'm not getting much of a. No, it's not very aromatic. Aromatics at all. Hmm. As these breweries have well, the one thing though, one thing I will say about boom sauce is it's seven point eight percent. So perhaps that's the boom in the sauce. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, it's yeah, it's a little it's a little alcoholic for me. It tastes the alcohol is very present. It is, and there's not a lot else going on. Yeah, can I say that? I'm yeah, sure. I think you just said that, and I think. I think it's true. I mean, we'll we'll here. Let's let me give my professional assessment. The, <laughs> the amateur assess, the amateur assessment. Is the, well, no, my assessment, my amateur assessment is that it's a little little heavy alcohol. Ooh, ooh. It could be a little bit old. I'm getting I'm getting some some potentially. Uh, let's see if they have any kind of. This was canned uh, June thirteenth. Well, so yeah, that's we're, that's we're, really we're two old months. For, yeah, we're two months out. It's not so good, but it's got a, high, a lot of alcohol, so you expect a little preservation. But any kind of light addition hopping might might have faded now. There's something a little savory there. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's unusual, and that's kind of the thing that's thrown me off. So you got the the alcohol, uh, a little bit of heat, and then you get a little savory note, and then it is sweet. Um, so it's got that going for it. In, in terms of the style, uh, but it's not, um, it's not, uh, it's not bristling with the kind of flavors and aromas you'd want, but maybe after two months you wouldn't expect it to. This yeah. is the, this is one of the difficulties of, uh, canning these beers. I mean, you really leave it up to the, the consumer. Okay. What do you think? And the retailers, uh, four. Yeah. I'm going to say two. Put some more there. Do, 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 do. So right. we may finish all these beers, but I bet the last one we finish is boom sauce. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, three. Three. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's uh. So you know if this is if this is the beer store guy's depiction of New England IPAs, then I'm pretty confident in saying that the stereotype of the new england ipa is kind of bullshit i think yeah i think i think and i you know i gotta i gotta say that when i was in new england i had the sense that for the people there uh they wanted to be able to make an expression of ipa mm -hmm. that was not so precise and limited right and it is the case that some of the most popular ipas on on the rating sites and on you know uh internet and the beer the beer geeks uh really are focused on these these beers, Trillium, uh, Bissell Brothers, Treehouse, that are very, very milkshakey. Right. But there are other breweries that are making uh, IPAs that that borrow from this tradition or riff on this tradition, have some qualities of this tradition, but don't 
don't necessarily want to make a milkshake. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think they want to still be called uh, New England IPAs, as you would imagine. Yeah. So... Aeronaut to you with Dr. Nandu and uh, Castle Island Keeper and the uh, Santilli from Night Shift. All yeah, of those, I, those three are what I would consider sort of pretty classic American IPAs that could have been brewed in Oregon or California. As people were following on social media, they were tweeting back... Uh, recommendations and night shift kept coming up i think night shift is considered one of the kind of premier new england uh breweries mm-hmm. and so it's interesting I'm, i am i'm kind of surprised to find the the night shift if you know if you found that in a portland brewery yeah you would be like that yep, that's yep that's an ipa that, yep. i just had I, a taste I'm, of it and it's a very good beer it's got nice citrus notes but it's also piney mm-hmm. uh it's got a nice bitter uh, balance it's not milkshakey at all the mouthfeel is fairly standard it's not 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 really super creamy um it's an excellent beer i think yeah but it's 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 at home as much in oregon as it is in new england yeah and i think you could find a beer like this uh anywhere in the country yep it's an it, I, I agree it's an excellent example i think that it, it's one of the ones that stands out to me in terms of uh quality uh i would say i really enjoyed the night shift, the sluice juice from Ben Water, mm-hmm. which is a, one of the classic New England IPAs, and which other ones did I like? Which ones did you like? Uh, yeah, so I'm gonna I'll, I'll start. It's easier to start with my favorite, uh, and um, well, actually, let me rephrase. Uh, there's a lot of good beers here, but I was out for what I consider my stereotype of a New England IPA, and I think that the Bent Water sluice juice is really good i know i i think <laughs> um, i mean gonna, I, i'm gonna i'm gonna give that my 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 big recommendation for today i'll give the reciprocal big marks but mm-hmm. um the sluice juice was surprising and unusual in ways that none of the other beers here on on the table were yeah that's what i really like about it it's 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 very classic in the stereotypically new england way it's it's milkshakey it's creamy it's got a good mouthfeel but it has a really nice flavor profile that's that's surprising and different unusual and yeah guiling yeah yeah definitely it's something new and exciting for me so well done to, so I, to bent water and i don't know that bent water is getting a lot of attention so we were gonna we we're gonna do a fun thing where we we're gonna have our, our sherpa be the beer that we like the best yep. so i guess our, our sherpa coming away from this is absolutely uh, the bent water yeah. sluice juice absolutely yeah i would i would i would be out looking for more if i could find it yeah and I never even heard anybody mention that, so that's kind of a surprise upset. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, there are a lot of good beers here, um, but that's the one that I think is the most unique and probably the most close to what we would consider stereotypical New England. So, Ben Waters Loose Juice, you heard it here first. There you go. Um, these kinds of beers are being made elsewhere. You can let us know if you have some in your hometown, what you what you like about them what you don't like about them yeah uh, and let us know if if this sort of uh milkshakey cloudy ipa is starting to hit where you are especially if it's not new england because uh, i'd be interested to know locally uh the fort george brewing company in collaboration with a couple of other brewers who i don't know right now did a, what their annual i guess three-way ipa mm-hmm. but this year it was like super stereotypically new england ipa and it was milkshakey and just like over the top orange juice and yeah really good i liked it a lot um but that was you know that was like 
the local version of what they consider a New England IPA. So yeah, we're interested to see if that's happening elsewhere. We keep seeing these around here, and they they allude to it by calling it, you know, like uh, Vermont whatever whatever or right something that's always a, an illusion it's pretty obvious and then you know what to you know what you're gonna get i mean i still think these are kind of beer geek things people in the general population are not going to know what you're talking about with the new england ipa and and uh, yeah but who cares about those people we're talking about our listeners man the true beer geeks yeah well we may have a few beer geeks listening but uh but yeah it, it we'll see we'll see it'll if it'll uh continue to grow if it'll solidify if it'll change um you don't often find indigenous beer styles develop, mm-hmm. uh, and if we have one here happening, it's quite interesting. I, I, just a little bit more on that history I, before we uh, completely break off. New England is lo- a lot like old England uh, in, in many ways, and when you drive around a very rocky soil, so when you drive around, you often see stone fences, just like you do in England. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, it, it is a, a coastal uh area so seafood is a big deal just like it is in england Mm -hmm. uh there's a lot of ways in which i mean most people who live there have ancestors a lot of people have ancestors to go back to england Mm -hmm. Uh, all the names are like when we looked up woburn how do you say it woburn 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 one of the pronunciations was an englishman uh we were trying to find it on the on the 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 computer and woburn uh (laughs) which apparently is woburn england um so there's a lot of ways in which it's very similar to old England. And one of those ways was in the 80s and 90s. Did you hear that? You didn't hear that, did you? Hold I couldn't on. hear that. Like, there we go. Woven. Oh, that's because you don't, <laughs> I don't have, I don't have, it's because you don't have the headset on. <laughs> that's did, the British. Did the, did the listener hear? Woven. I'll, I'll say it because they didn't. Okay. Woven. Uh, I think they did. I heard it. Excellent. Woven. <laughs> one more time. Woman, <laughs> knocking yourself out. Uh, Everybody but you, Jeff, can hear that. Well, I'll listen. I have to listen to the podcast. <laughs> so, it, it, in in New England for a long time, uh, English style ales were all the rage, and you didn't find uh, Northwest style IPAs there at all. Right, so, right. these these Vermont breweries, and then some of the main breweries, and it's now coming down to, to Massachusetts, started making IPAs, and they were this cloudy thing. So, it's this kind of indigenous development um, that is overlaid over this kind of older craft beer phenomenon in New England, which is fascinating. I mean, you used to find uh, there was there was a guy named Alan Pugsley who came and installed mm-hmm. a bunch of systems, Gritty McDuff's, Geary's, uh, Shipyard, mm-hmm. and they used a, the Ringwood Ale Yeast strain mm-hmm. and it produced, kicked off a ton of diastole. Yeah. So you find a lot of diastole in New England. Yeah. I've had Geary's. Yeah. and <laughs> I like it. I do too, and I think Geary's is the the cleaner of the those that those three that mm, I mentioned. But butterscotch, you'd you'd find a lot of that, and you'd find a you'd find many more bitters and brown ales and porters. Like yep. those things were common in yep. New England. So this is this is kind of a new generation of New England brewing, uh, and it's cool because it didn't look like anything else, and it doesn't. You know, we'll we'll see if uh, if yeah. it, if this is its fixed state, if uh, the the bent paddle. Bent water, sorry. Uh, sluice juice is 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 where we end up, or if there's another stage or two to come after this. But, yeah. So uh, I have so two. I, I have two final thoughts. One is that it it would be a a wonderful uh, sort of oral history if that was true. That that you know, Hetty Topper was just super cloudy because they just threw a, a shit ton of hops in there and and couldn't filter like super cleanly, and then people thought, okay, well that's what 
you know, let's go for cloudy and let's figure out. And, and they, they started figuring out other ways. And then that leads to my second thought, which is this, this milkshake can't be too mysterious. Like the brewers must know how to create this. And so if you're creating this milkshakey, uh, it, it can't be because three different brewers are doing three different things and arriving at the same thing. I don't think so. I, it, so something's got to get to the bottom of this and I, I nominate you. Uh. <laughs> well, the thing is, I find these uh, at, people are reading me on my blog and my uh, social media know that I find this hideous. Like the the bent water, that's a terrible looking beer. I mean, that looks is like it? well, yeah, okay. It is. I'm gonna I'm okay. I'm gonna grant you that because it's just a it's a you know kind of an oatmeal murky color. It's it, but there are those that are it looks more like it's orange and have reds and oranges in them that can be beautiful in their own way in their own way who are you to judge well that's <laughs> that's the thing no, uh, I, 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 I do I, I do see what you're saying it's not you know because the light doesn't shine through it it really kind of lacks that the thing is beauty. I I am no one to judge that's the whole point like the many 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 people stand in line for these beers I hear we have the 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 uh uh, Bissell Brothers, Bissell Brothers I'm looking at also not an attractive. Very beer. similar to the yeah. So it's a it's a it's a milkshake, but it's just kind of a brown, a, the tan. A little, yeah, a little darker. It's not. It's. Uh, but the three uh, three way IPA I was discussing had more orange in it and was a little more, hmm. a little more attractive. Hmm. That's tasting pretty. Good. <laughs> I'm liking that, that reciprocal. So, uh, but I but I but personally I just find them unattractive, unsightly. If I were a brewer. Uh, even if I were shooting for a flavor, flavor profile that had uh, the fruitiness, the aromatics, and the fuller mouthfeel, I would try to. I'd yeah, try to I'm not. You know, I'm not so sure. Out. And here's why: because this, I've I've created kind of a signal now, right? This ah, is some econ. Yeah. Well, so now I'm signaling the consumer. It's like you, you see this beer, and now you know what to expect. I've created this anticipation in your mind already. Right. And then I deliver this really juicy, super saturated, kind of sweet uh ipa and then you know so it all it all it all becomes a thing in your mind and this is how markets work right like yeah. there's a there's a kind of a way in which the market decides yeah I, you know i i can have all my opinions but if if in order for us to as a market be able to find our way to the flavor profile that we're describing if everybody looks for this 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 thing and that becomes a, a signature part of the style mm -hmm. that will win no matter how ugly i think it is yeah because well and your eyes are telling you a lot and anticipating a lot now, how many times i'm sure every listener who knows a little bit about beer have had this experience well i mean not every but most where you take sort of a neophyte into a, a bar and they're looking and they don't want something too heavy and you suggest a stout Right, and they're like, "What? <laughs> what are you talking? About? That's got to be the heaviest beer on." No, it's actually no. It's probably one of the lightest right. beers you're gonna. Yeah, have. just because an Irish stout. Their eyes are an Irish stout. Their yeah. eyes are tricking them, right? So, um, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot. The presentation means a lot, and since this has become now kind of a signature, yep. Like I kind of, you know, I'm I'm down with it. I, I expect to lose this battle, and that's fine. Um, I, I, I submit to the market, but, yeah. um, Besides but that, that doesn't have to, that, that doesn't mean I'm ever going to think that's, yeah, good. no, I, I, I totally understand where you're coming from. Absolutely. But, uh, I kind of like to have the, the difference, you know, I like my nice, clear, bright, light Hellas. I like my nice, dark stout. I don't know. Anyway, uh, we should move on okay, to the mailbag because this, this week 
by or God. This pod, I guess. Our, our, wa- our, our mailbag is full. Our mailbag's full. Thank you, folks. For once. It's All right. So, so who has contacted us, Jeff? And what do they want to say? Well, it's... Or no. Do you want to... Um, why don't you take the first one? Because you can summarize it if you want. All right. Uh, uh, by the way, I don't know why I didn't give Sean's last name. It's Sean Simon. Okay. Sean Simon uh, wrote... From the email, internet. text, Facebook. Email. Email. Okay. Email. These are all emails. <laughs> Every one of them. Thank so, you, people. Yeah. So Sean's probably 40 years old or older. <laughs> emailed. <laughs> hey, now. Sorry. That's, that's We give them the email address. They know we're old, so they're just trying to accommodate no, us. That's just the joke of a father of a 15-year-old. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, for, for whom I think Instagram and Snapchat are the only real way. And Twitter, I guess. The only real ways to communicate. Okay. I love the sort, I love the sort of three-part series on hops, yeast, and malt. Uh, but what about the fourth ingredient, water? I know that water is said to be the least influential on the beer taste, but I do hear it mentioned from time to time. Uh, for example, the beer has a mineral quality, or how brewers adjust the pH, or how the water chemistry affects the hops uh, and or yeast, and dot, 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 dot. Uh, that's a fantastic topic. In fact, um, what is interesting about talking to brewers in Portland, where we have a very neutral water it's all essentially just uh rainwater and 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 melt water that comes um essentially well not just essentially completely untreated right uh, through our taps Uh, not for long however because uh too many deer have been pooping in the woods and too many birds uh that's another story (laughs) anyway so that leaves portland brewers with an incredibly neutral base uh through which they can then amend in in many different ways and yes in fact it affects beer uh dramatically and um would be a great topic it is a great topic we're gonna have to i mean how do we sex it up yeah exactly it's not a like in people are not going to instantly be see the title all about water and and want to want to listen to that so we're gonna have to talk to somebody who's very interesting and figure out how to do that but yeah we'll 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 do that yeah we we commit to it now okay sounds good yeah when we were in england for example the water all there is very hard and it's created some very classic tastes and styles and so yeah yeah all right so that's a that's an excellent suggestion we will follow it up uh be uh, be on the lookout for water. The second comment comes from Daniel Warner, who is uh, a kind of a uh, a friend of my blog and uh, a person I email with all the time. Now uh, I've never met him. He lives in South Carolina, mm-hmm. and but he does listen to the pod, and you can tell he listens to the pod because he heard us reference this malt called Bark Malt, yeah, which was in. Uh, uh, we were talking about the Bayern, uh, Bayern Brewing right. Company from Missoula, Montana, right? Yep. Uh, their Pilsner, their sort of classic rustic Pilsner that they brought to the Oregon Brewers Festival. And you you read the description and said, Bark Malt, we've got to figure out what that is. That yeah. sounds really cool. And, that, and now we know. Daniel Thanks Warner Daniel. has the news. So here we go. Bark is an heirloom malt variety recently taken up by Wireman. It is not Czech. It's very much unlike Czech. They make it in Pils, Vienna, and Munich varieties. Beer Keller, which is one of his local breweries, uh, just recently made uh, used bark in a fest beer. It's great. Tried it from a tank in like at like seven days. He wasn't sure. Uh, very grainy, different uh, than a normal pills. Grapey almost. Bark has an unfermentable dough quality. Very rustic. Hmm. So unfermented yeah, and that, dough quality. And that kind of uh, jibes with uh, um, experience we had with the Bayern pills at the OBF. Which mm-hmm. definitely had a very rustic quality. In fact, it was it, it was a beer that divided people. I I declared it one of my faves. Yeah, and p- some people hated it. 
That's right. It had a little a, a dollop of diastole, which uh-huh. I thought was intentional and probably uh, a throwback to that more rustic thing. Because right. you know, Pilsner Quell has diastole, yep. so it's like a it's a thing. You can do that, but uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't necessarily trust any brewery. If I tasted diastole in other breweries, I wouldn't think it was intentional. But you're getting older; he's probably meant to do it. Yeah, so. yeah. But it was a it was a really kind of cakey, yes. very thick, uh, very rustic, very yeah, yeah very grainy. Which I really enjoyed. I did too. I thought it was great. So, so yeah. agree with you, Daniel. So thanks, Daniel. Thanks for the info. Now we know. All right, you want to take the next one? Uh, Sean Palmatier at Atlas Brewworks. So uh, I mentioned that I just sort Which of is in DC. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned in the last pod that I had been to sort of glancing at my twenty-two ounce bombers bottles that were in my fridge and noticed that one was significantly more full than the other. And I first thought, well, wait a minute, how much is, where is the 2022 ounce mark? Right. They better be selling me what they advertise. And sure enough, they were, but some bottles just have more beer in it. And so we, uh, as an economist, I thought, well, that's really dumb. Why would you package more than 22 ounces? Because it's expensive. You shouldn't sell more beer than you promise. Uh, (laughs) Why would you do that? (laughs) Uh, And so anyway. Uh, uh, Because of course you did. (laughs) So so his comment was this. First, it is really common to overfill bottles or cans. You mentioned the pre the prefill purge, which brings up an important point. Most smaller canning lines do not fill counter pressure. These lines fill into cans that are open to the atmosphere. This means that they cannot effectively purge the air out of the can prior to the fill. So we have to rely on a cap of foam to displace the air from the headspace of the can, which essentially means that they fill the 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 open can before they actually put the top on the can. They fill the open can all the way to the top where it's foaming over essentially, and then they put the top on and that just leaves the the foam to to dissipate and then you'll be left with co2 in that space theoretically Uh, contrast that uh, with a counter pressure bottle filler which can effectively purge out of the bottle then fill beer into a low oxygen space in the bottle which brings me to the point which is if you can effectively purge the oxygen uh, then uh, there's no no problem leaving that extra two ounces of, of airspace because it's filled with, filled with carbon dioxide and not oxygen, right. which won't damage the beer. And that gets us back, and I can't even remember if we talked about this on air or off air, but it got me to thinking maybe it's the difference between some of the smaller brewers use the mobile bottling lines, and they're not as good at purging out uh, uh, the air, and uh, so they fill uh, even fuller. But yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know because either. it wasn't it wasn't that brewery. The brewery that had the fuller bottle was the one I would have expected to. It would have been reversed if that were true. Right. Yeah. I, I do know. Oh, I'll, I'll, I'll just two comments on this. Uh, one, when I was at the Anheuser Busch Brewery in St. Louis, Missouri, mm-hmm. uh, I got to see their canning line, which was a wonder of technology. This absolutely amazing, spectacular thing, and we went to the canning line. And these cans were just flying through a million miles an hour. It was amazing. <laughs> wow. But an interesting thing about it was uh, as the cans, so the cans come through without a top, without a lid, and the right. lid is is plop, plopped on and, and, and affixed. And as it was going right before the, the top went on, mm-hmm. there was a spritz of beer splashed in, like shot into the can. Uh-huh. To make it foam, ah. and then it and then it was so. Even in. they don't have counter pressure. In other words, they use the I same think, thing. I think that must be the case. When I read Sean's uh, note, I thought, "Oh, that's interesting," because I was there with Jim Bickline, and he looked at it. It seems said, to me the only way you could really do it is to to have the cans enter into a chamber that's that's been uh, 
um, devoid of. I'm trying to say some, devoid is not a, well, well, not I, a verb, but I don't <laughs> that, think so. That, that is devoid of oxygen and that's full of CO2. I don't know. We need to talk to somebody who actually knows their tech here because somehow they're getting they're injecting uh, uh, CO2 into bottles, which seems much more challenging than getting into a can. But it's got a very narrow opening. So the, sure. the bottling line that I the bottling lines that I have seen have a little wand that will, you know, or maybe it's the same wand as the filler attached to it that will inject some CO two into it. Uh, CO2 and is CO two heavier or lighter it than is. air? It's heavier. It's right. Heavier. So the CO two will stay in the bottle, right. Essentially, and then you fill the beer in it, and it'll push the CO two up, right. And then essentially, what you're left with is a little CO two on top, right. But uh, can perhaps is just too too wide the opening, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, okay. I don't know. All right, so we're uh, halfway there. Thank you, Sean. My other, I had another comment. You got to write this back and, and answer all That's right. your questions. What was my other comment? Oh, my other comment was just we need to talk to a like a a canning or a canning and, and or bottling professional because the, the people will spend jillions of dollars on particularly bottling lines. I'm thinking more more than canning lines now uh, for for lines that. Uh, leave their beer with the least amount of dissolved oxygen. When you talk to a brewer, mm-hmm. DO, they'll always, this, they may refer casually to DO, dissolved oxygen in the beer. Um, the bottling lines that are prized are the ones that have the least, that result in the least amount of DO in right. the beer. Yep. And um, there's always going to be some because the brewing process, it, it leaves you with some in there no matter what. But, um, but the tech is clearly beyond you and I to fully grasp, and it would be great to talk to like somebody who who understands it, or even maybe works at a company where where this stuff happens, and they yeah. could walk us through. That would be interesting. It would. But just I, I want to I want to defend my point one last time. So if you're selling twenty two ounce bottles of beer, I know, and I you're know. giving twenty three ounces, and every twenty every twenty third bottle is essentially a. F- you're giving away a three bottle every twenty three bottles. It's just it it really it doesn't it bothers me. It just bothers you. Come on. It's like a it's like a what stone you in your shoe. You just can't get it out of there. Okay, so here's the reason: is because uh, <laughs> economists are trained to believe in the efficiency of markets, right? Markets train you to be efficient. This is it's getting competitive out there, right? I mean, this is the bottom line. You're giving away a free ounce of beer. What are you doing? Stop it! It's insane. You know what we do? So that was a. You did that with a 22 ounce. What we yeah. need to do is look at 12 ounces because that's where the real problem is. Because the 22 ounces, the profit margin is giant, so you could afford that inefficiency. You couldn't afford it in the 12 ounce market where yeah. it's what do you think much, that, much, right. much tighter. Okay, so next we should, time I'm in the supermarket, yeah, I'm we should, be we looking, should look at 12 ounces. I suspect that 12 ounces are pretty tight. Tight. See, so it all works. 22. Out. They're just they're just loose. They're loose because they're making so much Crazy. money. What do they care? I'm gonna call up that brewery and ask them what the hell they're doing, <laughs> giving away free beer. That's, that would be breakside, so you should definitely do it. <laughs> well, look, if you're going to give away one bottle out of 20, 23 for free, why don't you just lower the price and give me 22 ounces? Or or maybe just do it properly and, and give you, Patrick Emerson, the, third, the 23rd bottle for free. <laughs> so, you send it to me. <laughs> Absolutely. I've, sa- I've saved you this money. All right. All right. Well, thanks very much for listening to the pod. We're way over time anyway. Oh, no. A few words going out about how to contact us. Jeff blogs at the Beer Vana blog. Uh, which has a new address. It's thebeervanablog.com. Uh, I'm sure you can figure that one out. Google it. Uh, he tweets at at Beervana. Um, I don't really blog, but I do tweet. Yet. I do tweet. Yeah, it could be. It could be happening. Go ahead. You're supposed to do this part. Oh, sorry. <laughs> uh, it would be those eight beers that have slowed me down just a hair. Uh how far? How far did you get? <laughs> too good. All right. So I tweeted at Beernomics. I actually do tweet once you in do. a while. Um, did I, you give the did you give the feedback information? 
Uh, not yet. I really zoned out there. Go for it. Go for the feedback. Uh, You're good. I, I, I just tasted the Castle Island. It's really tasting good. And I was really, I was, I was going to comment on it. And I was really distracted and absorbed in that Castle Island uh, drink that I was having. And you were just prattling on. I don't know what you were saying. Was, yeah, it's too bad you don't important. have the head, headphones on because I'm I'm uh, teaching you how to, how to, how to pronounce Wubin. 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 <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, how, do you get, how do we get in touch? Uh, you contact me at Jeff at BirvanaBlog dot com, uh, or come to the Birvana Blog Facebook page. Uh, Patrick just mentioned that he tweets and blogs at Beeronomics. Look for him in both places because surely he's going to start blogging soon. He's a free man, free from the uh, the, 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 the shackles, hor- the of, horrors of bureaucracy, the horrors of bureaucracy. He's just back to being a, a civilian uh, uh, economist. That's right. Uh, and we would like you to uh, like us, subscribe, and rate us on your uh, iTunes and whatnot, so people Google can find Play, us. iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever right. it takes. Do it. The more the Tell more people friends. do that, the more our thing floats up, and the more people find this scintillating uh, content we're offering. That's right. Maybe Guinness will come back. That's, that's come right. On, come come on. or somebody else. You know, give us a call. That's we right. Mention your beer on our on our podcast. High quality podcast. All right. Okay. Cheers, uh, Jeff. All right, we got to pick a beer. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we're no. both gonna we're both gonna fight over this one. No, nope, so I'm gonna go grab it first. I'm I going knew, for the I bent water. That, that's why. I, that's why I was gonna go for the. This is my whole thing. I was like, this Castle Island is drinking great right now. All I mean, right. this is an interesting thing. We gotta have to go back through and taste them now that they've warmed and flattened out, and, <laughs> and which ones are really. Yeah, like, we got a lot of beer to drink. The, the, it's a good the, thing we're going off the air now. Time. Well, Castle Island Keeper is doing great right now. All so, right, and the bent water sluice juice is. Looking nice and milkshakey. So, uh, all right, cheers, Jeff. Woman.